Hey, hello. I'm uh, sitting here in the park, William Whitley Park, outside of Crab Orchard, Kentucky. I thought I'd follow up uh, the last reading of Matthew 27 with Matthew 28, an account of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I haven't done much with these recordings, and I regret that. I've been making weekly recordings on my uh, YouTube channel, uh, Voices in the Garden. Uh, I finished one today on Romans. I'm going, uh, spending some time in the book of Romans. Uh, not only readings, but uh, comments on the text. This is Matthew 28 here, and uh, I'm uh, still trying to decide what to do with uh, the rest of this. Uh, I don't really call it a podcast, but these recordings. Um, not getting too many plays, and uh, I need to perhaps promote it more, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, with that little bit of news aside, let's uh, go into Matthew 28, reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, and I might make some comments in the text as I go along. 28.1 Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. They had gone away to keep the Sabbath. Jesus rested in the grave over the Sabbath. Uh, he rested from his work of taking the sins of the world upon himself. He rested as our Redeemer. He ceased that work. That is what the rest means. Uh, just as he did at creation. After his six days of creation, on the seventh day, he rested. Uh, we find both in creation and redemption, the Sabbath having a central role uh, in the work of God uh, and offering us rest, the rest for our body, minds, and spirits. Being Jewish, uh, Mary and the other women had rested uh, after placing Christ in the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Jesus had tried for months prior to his crucifixion to prepare the hearts of his disciples for his crucifixion. And part of that preparation was promising that he would rise again on the third day. Their expectations of a political kingdom were so great that they didn't understand his work as a Messiah, that he had come as a savior from sin. They had hints of that, they had some inkling, but they didn't understand the cross. And it was not until after the cross and the resurrection that they had a message that the Holy Spirit could give his full unction to as they preached the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Understanding this trembling fear, um, hardly able to believe the words of the angel, mixed with great joy, uh, to understand that we have to have some understanding and some participation in their relationship with Christ prior to these events. Uh, Jesus was everything to them. Uh, they'd given their lives to him. They loved him more than anything else in the world. And the loss was so tremendous, the trauma so great at his crucifixion, that uh, they dared not believe the angel's good news that Christ was risen, that they would see their master again. And yet they uh, did as they were told. Faith, trying to apprehend the word of God through the angel. And Jesus, and behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. If you want evidence of the deity of Jesus Christ, here it is. Jesus did not forbid their worship. Uh, if he were not divine, if he were not the deity if he were not God come in the flesh, this would have been blasphemous. This would have, in fact, been sin uh, to worship a creature rather than the Creator. But Jesus accepts their worship as they take hold of his feet. The resurrection itself is the great testimony that Christ could not be held by death, that he had conquered sin, that he had conquered death, and that he came forth out of the grave by the power that was within himself. Uh, this is a great testimony to God overcoming sin in the flesh. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Here you have two contrasting testimonies, the words of the angel and the testimony of the women that the Lord had indeed risen, and the lie circulated by the chief priest and elders who were envious still of Christ, who feared him, and of the Roman soldiers who, for the sake of money, participated in the lie. You can see here that very much depends on what you believe. Whose testimony are you going to believe? That of the women? That of uh, the countless thousands who have witnessed to the resurrection of Christ? The millions who have witnessed to his resurrection? That there is a Christ who lives within their hearts? 
that they've put to test the Word of God and found it to be reliable, that God is faithful and just, and that He is living again, who have received the blessing of the Holy Spirit and given evidence of that Spirit in their lives? Or do you believe the lies of the soldiers, uh, of the enemies of Christ? Your life will have a very different result depending upon what you believe. And this is the um, work of the Gospels, these four Gospels, uh, as these men witness in writing to the things they've seen and heard, to the Christ that they have listened to, touched, and felt. Uh, as they tell the story of Jesus, we are brought to this scene of judgment, uh, the same scene of judgment that Christ was brought to. Who is this man, and what is he doing among us? Is he indeed the Christ, the Messiah of God's covenant people, the founder of this new covenant church? What does the evidence tell you? Does it read like a fairy tale? Does it read like the truth? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They won't follow another. They know the sound of truth. Are you hearing the sound of truth as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart? Or are you believing the devilish lies of the enemy of Christ? But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here we have the divine Christ, God again, having come in the flesh, died for our sins and been resurrected. Uh, before he ascends to heaven, he gives the disciples the promise of his spirit. We read more of this at the end of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. He gives the church who is founded upon him as the rock, who is extended by the apostles' teaching, that they would go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. This was a mission not only to the Jews, which it took some time for the disciples to apprehend this, uh, not simply the Jews in all the nations, but to the Jew and non-Jew, that is, the Gentiles. God had longed for ages to bless all nations. He had made that promise to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him because the seed, Christ, would come through him. The Jews had coveted the blessings of God for themselves. They had eventually become uh, weaned, if that's the right word, off of their idolatry with the other nations after their Babylonian captivity. And uh, through the Maccabean period, intertestamental period, uh, they became hard opponents of idolatry. Um, they became exclusive and self-righteous, that they were better than others because they had received the 
been the first recipients of the scriptures, the oracles of God, the Torah, uh, the prophets, uh, given them from the prophets, from God, the inspired scriptures. Um, and they were bigoted. They were prejudiced against those who they saw lesser than themselves. Not so to be for the Christian, not so to be for the Christian church. We're called to go and fulfill God's original intent with his covenant people, for his covenant people. To be examples and to associate with, not participate in the sins of idolatry or the sins of the world, but to befriend the world in the name of Christ, taking the message of the Father's love, the forgiveness of sins, the blessings that could come to all uh, in their inheritance through Christ of heaven's blessings, being adopted as sons and daughters back into the household of God. Take these teachings of Jesus, uh, all that he taught in the Gospels, but all that he taught in the Old Testament as well, Show how it was ordained that the Messiah should suffer and die for sins, that he was a servant of servants. Show the character of his teachings in his parable, the character of God in his teachings, through his life, his example, his parables, his miracles, what Paul calls the unsearchable riches of Christ. That is it means to make disciples and to be disciples, uh, to be like Jesus, to long to be like Jesus, to share his life with others, uh, and to participate in his life uh, as a community with others, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, as Jesus, as Jesus had taught in his Sermon on the Mount baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This baptism is a sign of the new life, being dead and buried, put down in the water, not sprinkled, not poured on, but the baptism of immersion that Jesus taught and that the apostles practiced, which is the true sign of the death and resurrection, of being united with Christ in his death and being raised to new life up out of the water. That's what baptism symbolizes. You can read about this union with Christ and his death in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is perhaps the most explicit statement in Scripture of the divinity of Christ in his relation to the Father and to the Spirit. We are to baptize disciples in the name of this three-person God, one God in three persons, who share the same character and purpose, who are eternal in nature, without beginning, without end. And this nature of God is revealed to us in Christ, who himself is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You can read that in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. That God has, according to the book of Ephesians, uh, I believe it's verses one, chapter 1, verses 9, 10, right around there, that all things would be summed up in Christ. Uh, he is spoken of as the uh, very fullness of God, the uh, complete and total image of God in all things. 
not simply a reproduction like in a photograph, but the very essence of God himself, sharing all of the attributes of God. And yet he is also the Son of Man, uh, God come in the flesh, that he will forever retain his human nature. We know that, for it's the Son of Man who returns at the second coming, the Son of Man uh, who comes to redeem his people. Uh, he shared in flesh and blood, making us uh, partakers uh, of the divine nature through union with him. Uh, these are teachings of Christ. These are teachings of Scripture that I'm sharing with you. The very things of discipleship that are to go out to all the nations. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. It's not simply having an intellectual belief. It's not an academic study of theology. But it's believing the promises of God and observing the commandments of God as they are in Christ, as they were given at Sinai. Um, the full covenant commandments. Not those ordinances that were temporary, that only pointed to him. Uh, the sacrificial system was never meant to be uh, a permanent thing, but it pointed to the sacrifice of Christ, and it ended when Christ died and was resurrected again. Uh, that is symbolized, we see, at the crucifixion, when at the very point of Jesus' death, the curtain of the temple at the very time of the Passover was torn in two by unseen hands, showing that that part of the sanctuary service had ended. Christ is now in the sanctuary above, the heavenly sanctuary, which the earthly was patterned after. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 8. There he is ministering in the order of the service, following the order of the service that was typified by the earthly service. He has entered now into that phase of judgment in which the books have been opened. You see that in Daniel 7. And uh, when that judgment is complete, when it's been shown, decided fairly based upon works, uh, works as evidence of the faith, who the righteous and the unrighteous are, the books will be closed and Christ will come uh, to take us to himself. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He had promised in the Gospel of John, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus will be with you, as he was with the apostles, as he is with his church. He will be with you as a living presence through his spirit, the spirit of truth. If the truth abides in you, Christ abides in you. And if Christ abides in you, the truth abides in you. Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He means to live in us. He means for us to live out truth, to be truthful human beings, to be, uh, to have Christ in us, the hope of glory, to be truth. Um, in all of our actions, in all of our character. God bless you today, uh, however these words find you, whoever you are. Um, 
whatever they may mean to you, I pray that you will take them in, that you will grow, that you will allow them to challenge you and to feed you, to nourish you, this Word of God. Not my Word, but what it is, the very Word of God. Um, take care, and uh, until next time, God bless.